You know, God is in the business of transforming lives. Isn't that right? And so we get to see a picture of what that looks like here in the church. And we look around and we see people from all different walks of life and from different socioeconomic backgrounds and different places, even in your, your faith path and your walk with the Lord. And some people come into church and we're just on fire for God and others we come here and we're desperate for help. And I think we could all agree that, that we probably are in those different places each Sunday. But, but yet it's a privilege to be able to, to hear um, stories of testimony about what God is doing, that God is out work, at work outside of these four walls. And so you know that there was 13 of us that you sent as a church all the way to southern Brazil to minister, but also to be transformed. It was our desire to bring transformation just by letting God use us, but I think all 13 of us were transformed. So this morning you're going to hear stories and you're going to see some pictures and videos about what that looked like, just a snippet of what that looked like. And so there was a few uh, of, of us that, that um, offered to share, and so uh, I want to give them the opportunity now. And so Elizabeth and Andrew, if you can start, you can grab that mic that's right there and just share just a brief story um, or two of what God was doing. And see, we went to southern Brazil, if, if you don't know, to minister along with some of our missionaries, Shane and Aaron Latham. And we spent about 12 days there with them and with each other. And so you'll be hearing about those stories as well. And so, Brother Andrew, if you would start us off, share what's on your heart. Yes, by the way, I'm going to say glory to God. Um, it was just an amazing trip. And um, I can't explain how we all went down there as one. And um, I was trying to ask the Lord, um, what do you expect me to out of this trip? You know, I didn't really know at that time. He said, I know you was in prison. I got you out of prison before. So I'm going to let you disciple to the people that are in prison down there. So we flew out of there from down here over there. It's like amazing speaking to these little girls. There's 14, 18, 15, 20, these young girls that were in prison. And um, I couldn't imagine. I was like, wow, they're in prison. He said, yes, encourage them. Let them know they got a place to go. Because out of there, I think they got a, a maximum of three years at that prison. And we was able to see, I don't know if Rick is here, but we got a chance to stand up and, and tell them just to keep going, encourage them that they're going to get out. And um, my wife brought, you know, one of them to the Lord, and we all, as one, brought them to the Lord. It's like amazing. They was crying. It was so heartwarming. You, you think we don't have nothing over here. They, get, they don't have anything over there. Nothing. I remember when we went up in this house where the little kids stayed at, and um. We went up there, you know, Pastor Keith, they had to stay up, like, on the, on the roadway. It was so muddy going up inside of their house, and it was like a tin can. Picture a tin can, a soda can, going up inside of the house with no walls, no um, insulation, nothing. But they were so happy and joyful for us to be there. And um, this little girl was praying for each and every one of us inside the house. And they didn't have anything. Wires and nothing. They had wires inside the house. Now, when it get hot out there, probably snakes can go up inside of the house. I mean, these people didn't have anything. I mean, the toilet situation was kind of crazy. I was ne never used to that. I mean, <laughs> I had to get used to that. And, and they can't, you can't flush toilet paper down there, so I'm going to leave it at that right there. <laughs> and um, I never seen horses, you know, roam around the street, you know, and dogs had plenty. If you're a dog lover, Brazil's the place for you. <laughs> they roam around. But the amazing trip, we was all together as one. Our team that went down there, I mean, we all helped each other out. And um, it was just amazing. I don't want to be too long, but one, one other story I want to I tell. I mean, when me and my wife went to, um, it was a, a girl named Melissa in Jonathan's house. After we finished from their house, my wife stepped in dog poo-poo. All right? We went back to Shane and Aaron's house. I said, don't worry, babe, I'm going to get that off your shoe. So I'm, I'm looking for her shoes. Melissa took her shoes to get the poop off. She said, no, you don't have to do this. I'm going to do it and give it back to her. The, hum the humility of these people, I never understand. I was like, Lord, he was, he was teaching how to be humble. Just be humble, you know. And, and I came back with a new mindset. Just be humble. You got everything. We are blessed over here. We got, we got food and water. I mean, the ministries that we did, that Shane and Aaron to introduce them, Pastor Keith and then Claudia and the whole group, I learned something. out. We got even closer to love that we, that we was able to, to bind as one, as a unit, 
as a church, y'all was praying for us. We needed those prayers heavily because we didn't know what we were going to battle. And one more other story. Um, Shane's father, he was robbed 119 times at this house they stand at. That's what he was telling me. I said, Shane, um, his father, I said, what makes you so successful bringing um, people to the Lord? He told me to love your friends and love them dearly. So love covers over multitudes of sins. It was just amazing just being down there and, and roaming the streets. You know, I never thought when I got a job, I was going to go to Brazil. Me and my wife, I got to give it to my wife as well because she was struggling a little bit going up these steps. I said, baby, you got to keep going. You know, it, it was tough because they had a lot of steps over there. And, all, and I, I want to say thanks to all the team that, that helped her, too, because I got tired, too, the, and through the airports and struggles, flawed. I mean, he said, consider all joy when you consider these trials and tribulations that you're going through. I'm bringing you to a nation that, that, that need this gospel. So I said, I'm all for it, Lord. Just, just send me. Send me out. You know, when we all went down there by faith, with, with Ashley, um, Wendy, Maureen, the whole team, I mean, I, I, I love them. they like, I got actually even closer, you know. I know I was laughing a lot down there. You know, everybody was infection about my lab, but... It was just amazing just being down there and just sharing with those people down there, you know, and they showed so much humility. I mean, they was crying as we left the airport to get on the plane. It's like, now we got brothers and sisters in Brazil. I said, we can go over there. And one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. When Ashley and Rich got a present for them at the, um, what was it, the pregnancy center? Yes, yes. And they, they never expect that. You never look, know what the Lord's going to open up. You just got to step out in faith. If you can't do it, you can do it. He's going to give you the strength to do it. I'm telling you that now. And Tina's a walking. What Tina's at? A walking testimony right there. She's here today. She just came through cancer, you know. It's a blessing that she's here. And brain surgery. Brain surgery. And, and she's here. Amen. Now, you can't tell that. If that's, if that's not the Lord, I don't know what to tell you. But I wanna let, I'm going to pass the mic over to my wife so Amen. she can talk a little Thank bit. You, Good morning, Trinity family. Good morning. It's good to be here once again. I missed all of you. Um, my testimony, I don't know if many of my team members know about it. Um, we went to the school. They were um, fixing up a room for when the school started. And my husband and me, we went inside the school because we wanted to go to the bathroom. So I went towards the bathroom, and of course, Andrew, like always, met Moses. He was the assistant principal. And when I come out, they're like, ah, da, 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 da. I say, what's going on? He said, come on, come inside. And Moses was in the kitchen. So we started talking to Moses. And he says, sometimes I'm the assistant principal that I have to cook 1,800 meals a week for the kids. And I said, wow, that's a lot of work. And he said, no problem, because the majority of these children, and it breaks my heart, come to school just so they could have one hot meal a day because most of them don't have anything. And most of them don't graduate because they graduate, excuse me, without knowing how to read or write because their objective is to eat. And I'm thinking school is Monday through Friday. What happens on Saturday and Sunday? What do they eat? Where do they go? And um, it just broke my heart. It gave me a whole new perspective of how we have so much in abundance here. And sometimes we just throw it away. Our kids say, hell, listen, I don't want that. They throw it away. And we have all these children, not only in Brazil and many other parts of the world, that will go to school just to eat. And um, it changed me completely. I mean, I don't want to throw any more food away. We have plenty of homeless in our backyard. And I'm going to buy those containers and whatever's left over is going to go to them. But I'm not throwing it away. So um, it transformed me. One more thing, Pastor. You know, I'm getting like <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> When, and when Andrew um, was talking about the houses, I, I looked at Pastor Keith and I said, you know, I'm always complaining to Andrew. We got to get a bigger place because mom is here and AJ comes over every two weeks, so we need a bigger place. No, Pastor Keith, I was wrong. I have a palace over here. Um, it's amazing. And I also want to thank, and I'm going to end with this, every person on this team, 
that in some way helped me get through this journey, whether it was extending their hand to help me go up a flight of steps, pulling my luggage in the airport, serving me a cup of juice when I couldn't reach it, giving me a medicine when I got sick, and encouraging me. I am so truly grateful. I love you guys for it. I've always loved you. And um, what else can I say? <laughs> Thank you for everything, and all the glory goes to God. Amen. 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 You can give it to one. Um, there are so many things going around in my head of what I can give testimony to God for. Um, but I just want to encourage you um, that we serve a risen Savior, and he's in the world today. And we know he is living. We saw it in Brazil, and it was just amazing. Um, one of our mission statement, one of our part was to encourage our partners. And as much as I loved serving the children and working and doing so many things there. It was wonderful to be amongst other believers that love God like we do and just to encourage them, pray with them. They were praying with us. And you just we have a whole other family in Brazil, everybody, just letting you know. And they love you even though they haven't met you, just like I'm sure you love them, just like we're telling you how much um, we, came, we came across them. Um, so even though some of us couldn't speak Portuguese, we learned a little, um, and it didn't matter. We could have conversations with our friends and our and that love the Lord like us, and we would make it work. You know, a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of something we'd figured out. But um, I think just the language of love that Jesus taught us just works. You know, God, the, the two greatest commandments that Jesus left for us was to love your Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, and do that. And what was the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's all you need. And God will help you do the rest. So thank you so much for praying for us. And a lot of you are praying for me for that plane flight. (laughs) Six of them. First one is a little rough. But, you know, by the sixth one, I didn't have to squeeze anybody's hands to death anymore. And I know so many of you are praying for me. So thank you so much. So if I can get on a plane and do six planes and 14 hours and all that, Anybody can do that. So thank you, God, and I just want to thank you all so much for supporting us. And um, we can't wait to tell you all the stories at lunch. So make sure you grab yeah. some of us. Yeah. <laughs> give it to Claudia. Thank you. Bom dia. Good day. Bom dia. Good morning. Um, wow. So some of the some of the stories have have been touched on already that I had th- been thinking about sharing. But I want to tell you a little bit about a, a beautiful woman by the name of Nye. Um, she and her husband um, have committed 25 years of their lives to work with children from this island of flowers. Um, first of all, that alone, uh, just the fact that they've committed 25 years um, to transform this tiny little um, destitute village was mind-blowing. When, she, when they said that, I just kind of stopped in my tracks and thought, that's amazing, you know. Um, but, you know, as, as Wendy talked about the language of love, I was thinking, like, this woman is the picture of that. I mean, the way she loved these kids. And later I was able to hear that a longing of her heart is to have children. And the Lord has not granted her that longing. So it's been, I think it was six years that they've been praying and hoping that they would have their own children. And the Lord hasn't seen fit to allow that. And I thought to myself, because so many of these children that they're serving in this island do have parents. But because of the conditions in this, um, in this place, um, the parents actually encourage their kids to go into prostitution at age 12. If they're girls, if, the, if they're boys, they encourage them to go into drug, drugs and selling drugs to just make money. And so, so this couple has established what we would call like a community center on this island. They don't stay there. They don't live there. But this community center um, is a place that is right on the island, but it's so different than the places where these kids live. It's clean. 
It's beautiful. It's modest, but it's hopeful. Um, they help them with their schoolwork. They tell them about the Lord. Um, they they teach them how to you know how to behave, how to live, how to survive, and um, it just. It, just the whole the whole experience, just seeing them was just so humbling and inspiring, um, and I just um, I just wish that you guys um, could meet them someday um, because they've they've committed to right now I believe they have 16 children was it 16 or 18 16 children that they have committed to journey with for all this time so um, and as these there's a young boy by the name of Lucas who is 15 years old and Lord willing, he will be the first to graduate out of that school. And so they've been working with him, helping him, um, and all the other kids, but what an inspiration. I mean, what a, uh, yeah, just transforming. Amen. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for sharing, and I really want to encourage all of you, um, stay for the lunch after our service, and be intentional about sitting at a table with one of the team members, somebody that went on the trip, and ask them questions. Ask them to show you pictures and videos from their phones, because we have thousands, I think, between us. So over the next uh, 20 minutes or so, you'll see a few pictures That'll represent a little bit of what we did in a video as well. But please take the opportunity during the fellowship lunch. Sit with them, seek them out, ask them questions about their experience. Because, you know, people were asking me, like, what was your experience like? And, and it's hard to say that because we were gone for 12 days as a team and we all had different kinds of experiences. You know, you all come away with something different and, and, um, and each day was different. Right? Some days were really difficult and we were crying and, and some days we were working in the trenches with others and, and, and cleaning and cleaning things. And, and there was other days when we were just enjoying a table full of food and fellowship and being rejuvenated. And so how was our experience? There's really no one way to describe that. But you know what's interesting is God was really good and he blessed us in our travels. As like you heard, there was, there was three legs of the, the plane flight there and back. And basically, it's 24 hours of travel from the time you leave from here. And you, we took a bus to the airport and then, you know, with all layovers and everything to get down to southern Brazil. It is far away. It's far and it feels far. When you're traveling, you're getting on planes, you're getting your luggage, you're getting back on planes and everything. And God blessed us. And the traveling was smooth. Everything that could have gone wrong, you know, God was so good. Except for the last leg coming back. And wouldn't you know it was when we get back into the States, right? So we flew from Sao Paulo, Brazil to Fort Lauderdale on the way back. And, and, you know, while we were there, we all became uh, enamored with this drink. It's a customary drink. And some of you might know it as matcha. It's spelled M-A-T-E. In a lot of cultures, especially Southern culture, Central America and Southern uh, South America have it. But in Southern Brazil, it's called chimarron, okay? And there's these special wooden cups they use. And there is this tea. And it's tea, it's called erva, the tea. And you put it in the cup and you steep it with hot water and there's a special straw, it's a metal straw with kind of like a filter on the bottom. And you drink it. And so you know how you go around today and you see people walking around with their big water bottles uh, or their coffee cups? Well, down there they're walking around with these wooden shimaron cups filled with this tea. And if somebody offers it to you, you're supposed to take it and drink the whole thing out of their straw. It's a very communal thing, right? We're not used to that. Different culture. And so a bunch of us bought these cups. We like the tea and they have all different flavors. But the erva is the plant and they flavor it. And it looks like this. And so a bunch of us bought this and we brought it home. And some of us, we put it in our checked bags. And other of us, for whatever reasons, we put it in our carry-on bags. And you know when you go through the airport and you go through customs... And so I'm thinking, like, this is harmless. It's a bag full of green, like, weed-looking stuff. It's green, right? It's green tea, right? How harmless could that be if they see that going through security and customs? That wouldn't raise any red flags, right? No. It smells good, and it tastes really good. And so on the very last leg, there was a couple of our team that got stopped, and they had a random security check. In one of our team, and I'll let 
that person share their story later during the luncheon. They got delayed because of this random security check on our last leg to go from Fort Fort Lauderdale to Newark, and they missed the plane. So the rest of us were on the plane, and I was standing there and just waiting with the ticket agent saying, there's one left in our group, and they did a random security check. We have to wait. And he basically just looked at me and says, we're going to close the door. Do you want to get on the plane or not? And I said, we got to wait. I'm trying to call this person and didn't answer because they're going through a security check. So what a feeling that is. We had to get on the plane without one of our team that we just spent 12 days with. But praise God, it worked out. This person, a seasoned traveler, and just got on another plane an hour later and, and just went uh, you know, and got home. And so it all worked out in the end. But again, it was just that very last leg. You never know what's going to happen. And we thought we were home free. But you just never know. But God certainly is at work. And he is at work in Brazil like he is here. And so what I'd like to do is this. You know, at the beginning of our planning process, which is about a year ago, last July, we, um, we conference called with Shane and Aaron Latham. They are the missionaries we support there. We supported them for many years. It's the first time we went to visit. And so we had a conference call with them, and they walked us through the process of creating uh, a mission statement for our missions trip. That was a good idea. It was a way to, to sort of you know keep everything on track so we could know why we're there and the things we want to accomplish and see happen. And so we have this mission statement, and we looked at it often during our week. And so I just want our time together this morning to go through this mission statement. I'm going to show you some pictures that relate to each section. I want to show you how we experienced and lived out our mission and our mission statement. And there's some key scriptures that will go along with that. And so I want to start with the first scripture. And this is from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. You can look it up. It's on the screen. I have one more scripture at the end of our time together. But, you know, um, I want to thank you on behalf of the team for all of you that put in those encouraging notes into our little yellow envelopes. Remember those? We had those out for a long time. And, uh, And they were just full, full of encouraging notes, more than we even needed, you know, that we thought we needed meaning one a day. And so there was multiple ones per day. And I have to say, they really worked. I know for me, I mean, for my experience, they were so helpful. Most of them were scriptures with a little note. Some of them were just a word of encouragement. Isn't it amazing that God used specific notes on specific days? It was like exactly what we needed. But there was two of those in particular that stood out to me. That really spoke to what we were doing and why we were there. And this was the first one. This was on a note in my envelope. And look at what it says. It says, therefore... My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So, you know, as you go on, especially as you're serving, you can grow weary. But this verse reminded me just at the right time that all of our labor, even the smallest things that we think are insignificant, they have an impact and an influence. Because they are done in the name of the Lord. Now it's interesting too in the context of this passage. If you remember, if you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And its importance in the life of the believer. So he talks all about new life. He says we have new life in Christ. That Christ, um, that he won victory over death so we now have life. And he ends that whole chapter by saying this. Now because you have new life, you've been given new life, spread that new life. And live in assurance and confidence of that. He says, so stand firm because of that. And don't let anything move you. You're on a mission, you stay on mission. Because Christ is going before you and behind you and with you. And that's the way we felt. And these encouraging notes really helped us. But it also says, he says, you know what, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We saw that in action. We saw through Shane and Aaron and their commitment to their mission, we saw them giving themselves fully to the work of the Lord. And it was all because they knew that their labor, even the smallest of things, was not in vain. And so I want to take you through our our mission statement. I'm going to show it to you now. Here's our mission statement in light of this scripture. And I want to work through each one of these. So here is what we went on mission, saying here's what we want to see accomplished. 
We wanted to promote transformation through the gospel. To expand our vision, equip and encourage our partners over there, and experience the power of God that will change us all. That was our mission statement. To promote transformation through the gospel, expanding our vision, equipping and encouraging our partners, and experiencing the power of God that will change us all. Let me walk you through that and share with you a little bit about how we experience that. Transformation through the gospel. You know, it's that gospel of grace. We felt very special. You can see there's a few pictures there. That was um, somebody standing on the wing of the plane. No, I'm just joking. That was... And so you see we're getting up on the plane. There was actually a part of the travel where we were just driven out to the tarmac. Did you ever do that and climb up the stairs on a plane? Usually, I'm um, not used to that, but we did. And so you go to the next one and you'll see that there's just more pictures about how we got there. So there is the skyline of the city that we went to bring this gospel to, the Porto Alegre. And it's in southern Brazil. It's below Rio de Janeiro. It's very, very close to the border down there. And so that's a great picture of the skyline of the city, right? And so then you'll see some other pictures. Uh, there's a view from, from um, sort of the porch from Shane and Aaron's house. Looks nice. There's a lot of like sort of dilapidated abandoned buildings around. But still, it's winter down there, but it still looked really nice. And uh, look at that table full of food. Now I want to explain to you why, why we put this picture up here. Because from the moment we got there, we felt so welcomed. There was always a table full of food. We would wake up, and this is what we were greeted to. Would you like to be greeted to that every morning? that nice? And we were in Brazil where there's a lot of bread and a lot of cheese and a lot of great meat. And for breakfast, it was just a feast. And so we felt so welcomed. We got there that first night. We walked into the house, and it smelled like a beautiful barbecue. In Brazil, they're, they're very famous for this. It's called a churrasco. And that's just the grilling of all these meat, sausages, and beef, and pork. And it was wonderful. But you know, also, there was at least, the whole time we were there, there was at least 20 people in their house. The whole time. You talk about a party 24-7. But it was all based around being on mission and serving God. Right? I'm not joking, right? And sometimes till 3 in the morning, they're just laughing and, and dancing and, and eating. And, and you know, it's great, especially when you're tired, right? And you're trying to get to sleep. But it was all good, but always based around food. Look, you can kind of see that's sort of their living room and dining room. There's a full of people you can see in the next one. Look at that. That's like what we woke to up every day. There's 13 of us and then about 15 other people. These are people that Shane and Aaron were discipling. People that from their church that came to help us serve. You know, we went to serve, but we were being served. We were, they were so hospitable. And so welcoming that it freed us up to do the same for others. You know, that's a big part of being the church, isn't it? That, that God uses other people to bless you so that you can then go bless other people. So we went there ready to serve and we showed up. And they had little personalized gift bags on our beds with coffee and chocolate. And they had little, little washcloths with our names engraved in it. Little, little plaques and they had a table full of food and people. Do you know when we got off the plane in Porto Alegre and we got there's a small little airport and we walked through and there was a group of at least 15 people jumping up and down, cheering, waving to us from behind the security line. And we looked around like, who is this? There must be a celebrity on board with us. It was for us. That is how we were greeted at the airport. We were going to serve, and they were cheering us on, saying, thank you for coming to help us bring the gospel to our country. They kept saying, thank you for coming to help us share the good news in our country. That's how we were greeted. So it was wonderful. But bringing transformation through the gospel, I mean, a table full of food and people all the time encouraging us and, and, and having fun and preparing us for the next day's ministry. But you know the best way that we did it as a team, you see there? We got to share our story. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that is how we are called to share the gospel. You tell people about what God has done in your life. So we had lots of opportunities to do that. And let's see Andrew with, with somebody that he met and he's sharing his story with him. Right? And he's just shared. You can picture him doing that, right? And then, and then there's, um, uh, there is uh, Shane and Aaron's daughter. And she's there with Wendy, and they got to share their story with some kids and sharing their testimony. That's where we often say that. 
but it's about sharing the gospel. This is what God has done for me. Why is his grace so amazing? Let me tell you about it. That is bringing transformation through the gospel. So powerful. We got to hear their stories. They heard our stories. And it reminded us that we were in this together. We went to a pregnancy center. You heard about that. It's part of the church where Shane and Aaron minister out of. And it it helps to bring uh, women from all walks of life, wealthy and poor, to the point where they encourage them, of course, not to have an abortion, but to have the baby. And they bring them through this process. And we got to see what this process looks like. And there's one thing I want to share about that, which is so impactful. They showed us the different rooms where the ladies, you know, will, they're ministered to and the things they do. And what they do is they bring a, a new woman who comes in and wants to be part of this program. And they bring her to the very last room that she will see once her baby is born. And this room was immaculate. Everything was brand new, luxurious, a brand new crib and, and this beautiful armoire full of, of nice new baby clothes. And they say they bring this expecting mom in and they, they open the doors and they let her smell these baby clothes. It just smells like baby. You know that smell, right? And it gives them this visual. This is where, this is your destiny. This is where you're going to end up. If you, if you have this baby and bring them through, it was a beautiful picture of what they were trying to do and helping these women. But we got to share our stories there. We got to do that, and uh, we went to, um, to the prison, as you heard Andrew talk about, girls that were 14 up to 18 years old, and share our stories with them. I'll share more about that later. But then, you know, the second part of our, um, the second part of, uh, of our mission statement is about um, expanding our vision. You can see there's some more pictures there. There's us in the prison. You'll see that picture again later. Just gathered around the circle, nine or ten of us, with uh, about ten of those girls. Uh, those teenagers, just sharing our story, sharing each of us, sharing our testimonies. And then you can see as, as it goes on, there is one of the guys that we met who is sharing his powerful testimony uh, with all of us, the group of people out on their porch, uh, one of the first days that we got there. Because we got to have a bunch of these kids that Claudia was sharing about at the home. And we played games with them and a bunch of people dressed up. In, in costumes and had fun with them and we did crafts with them and we, sh- we loved them and we just shared time with them and shared a meal with them and this is the leader of that ministry sharing his testimony. And there is Rick, our brother Rick and Paula and myself sharing our stories at uh, the first service of a brand new campus of this big church that they're involved with and we got to be a part of it. So we were there helping um, to share our testimony and, and, and bring transformation through the gospel. And then you see, as we went on to expand our vision, if you can see it, it's a picture of one of the homes that these little kids live in that you heard about. The guy sharing his testimony oversees this. and They're basically like little wooden shacks built on stilts. So much of what they build is made out of pallet wood. We go behind a Walmart and we see these pallets all built up. So they do that and they see this is building material. They build their fences and their homes out of this. Some of them have electricity. None of them have running water or plumbing. There's just holes in the floors. Like Andrew was saying, that during, um, during the rainy season, it floods a couple of feet to get out. They just have to, to wade through a couple of feet of muddy water. It's where, it's where they are. And you can see more of the pictures. Um, there's one of the houses. And they went to pray. And you heard about this little girl who was who was praying for the team. Isn't that amazing? They went there and she is praying for each one of the team members that God would bless us. You talk about humility. And just some more about what it looks like in that neighborhood. You can keep going. And, uh, and so here's, so this is also a, a part of what we did to expand our vision you know, we got to do a couple of different things, and we served at this place called the Dream Center. There was a different group of kids, and we made crafts with them and played games with them. And we saw an African fight dance that was then turned into an evangelistic uh, tool by the teacher there. We got to see that. But then what happened was uh, a bunch of these kids in these houses you just saw, they go to this school where, they, where Elizabeth was sharing where they have all these meals, and it's, they, only, they go there because they need to eat a hot meal. And so the school had donated one classroom, this dilapidated classroom, for us to go and help fix up. And so this is a video, a little short video of us working there. You can show that, of what that looks like. And we were just cleaning. That's the yard where they play. That's their play yard. And so we're cleaning the outside, the inside. This is 
one of the, the alleyways they use to get back to where they're going. There's a team of us where they're cleaning toys and cleaning desks, taking old years of stuff off of desks. We're cleaning it. We're cleaning the outside walls and taking paint off of windows. Daniel, I guess I'm just directing people. Do you have soap in that thing or no? They go into the room. It's kind of hard to see. It's dark, but there was that's fine. There was mold on the walls, and and uh, so we needed to wash the walls from top to bottom, wash the floor, and then scrub it, and then dry it, and then paint it. There you go. There's there, Ashley. There's your picture. Um, just what she wanted. And um, and so then what we did is we were able to transform that room. Talk about expanding our vision, just seeing the conditions where these kids would go to school. And the school gave this ministry one room. And so this is now the nicest room in the whole school. It's because of what God is doing and he is at work, see? It's a way of showing them, yes, we came there on our own time. A lot of us, a lot of people gave up vacation time and, and all that to go and to serve. And we took this old room and transformed it with the power of others. That's why I love that picture. All together to transform it into a nice, clean, fresh room. Right? Newly painted, uh, clean walls, got rid of all the old furniture, and now they use it. And it's a way to share the gospel. But what a great picture of transformation. God does that with us as well, doesn't he? He transforms us from the inside out. Right? He gives us that new life, and then our, our process of becoming a disciple is to continually get rid of those old habits and those old ways and just commit those to the Lord and turn those over to him and until we continue to become more and more like him. We're called to be holy because he is holy. And so we saw a lot of that. You know, you, Andrew mentioned these dogs running around. And we had a chance to have lunch with these people who were fairly wealthy and supporters in the church. And they had these two beautiful dogs. So well cared for. They smelled good and they looked good. And, and they just were so loved. And that was the difference. We spent 12 days seeing dogs just roaming around, not cared for by anybody. And then I was holding this little dog. And what's the difference between this dog and those roaming on the streets? It's love. And that's what love does. Am I right about that? That's what love. What, a, what, a, what an amazing, powerful picture. You can see as we move on that, um, that there was so much going on. And then as we equip and encourage our partners, you know, even as a, 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 I just want to end with what we were talking about before about expanding our vision, you know, that girl who prayed for the group. And then the girls at the jail, they were crying after they heard our testimonies. Didn't expect that. That's expanding our vision and seeing beyond what we would normally see. And then we wanted to equip and encourage our partners. You know, we wanted to, to, to be able to help them, Shane and Aaron and their team. And so we went to this pregnancy center. And one way they raise money is they collect bottle caps. But then in order to turn them in for money, you have to separate them out by colors. And so some of our team helped to do that, right? And so we helped to do that. And so then you can see in the other pictures different ways that we were doing that. Here's that classroom. You see the old green, and we were painting it a new blue. But there was so much work that had to be done to just get to that point, right? We're sweeping and scrubbing the outside playground of dirt and rocks and debris. And then you can see just other things. There was this, this they called it a bazaar. It was kind of like a flea market. There was a lot of clothes. It was mostly clothes. And people from this very poor neighborhood would come in to buy clothes very inexpensively. We played with the kids to give the parents a time to shop. And we had personal shoppers walking with them to make it a, a time of dignity, right, for them. And, and help them buy some stuff. And then it helped to support this ministry for a whole nother year. They raised enough money to do that. To kind of keep the lights on. They're not paying anybody to do that. They're just keeping the lights on for the next year with the money they made from that. And so we helped to sort clothes, and then we played with the kids, and we brought a bunch of supplies so we could do that, and we left it with them. This was equipping and encouraging our partners in these ways. And that was just another picture of that, and you can move on. And here is this place called the Dream Center. It was a different area, and there's a guy in the background there who's an instructor, and he's a new believer. And he was an expert in this dance. It's an African fight dance. They don't actually connect with each other, but it's like fighting. It almost looks like kicking and punching. It's like, I don't know, I don't know much about martial arts, but it's like martial arts without landing any blows. And it's like, but they're dancing. 
But he became a believer and he took like sort of the, the pagan rituals associated with that and he turned it into a way to present the gospel. And he was teaching these kids about this dance and sharing his faith while we were doing that. So it was all of us standing around and none of us were actually doing that, that fight thing. But um, it looked really cool and they were doing a great job. And we just went there to encourage our partners in the ministry and to help them to just put on a, a successful day uh, with these children. Um, and this was um, sharing, uh, I believe, at the church. It was either that Wednesday night or that Sunday morning. Just sharing with, with, with students, sharing stories, helping them to run, you know, a Sunday school class, right? All of that was really important, the way that we were encouraging um, our partners. And, you know, what's cool about that is that, that Wednesday night, we were able to be a part of a very uh, first, it was the launch of a new campus of this church. All these small groups, community groups got together and they rented this space to have this big service and we got to be a part of it. We shared our stories there. We helped run the kids ministry. We helped beforehand to run like a, a coffee time for this, this uh, English as a second language group. These are non-believers who are learning English through some uh, Shane and Aaron and their kids. And they brought them out to learn English from us and to teach them a little about America, but we got to share the gospel with them. Isn't that great? All different ways to do that. And so that was a great example of that. You know, and we got to really see as we partnered with them that, you know, man, how awesome it is that this church that they're involved with, that some of the ministries they're involved with, are, this church is about 1,800 people, but it still feels like a community. They're still connected, and they're still committed to helping people to restoration. And that's a big part of what the church should be about. So even though it's 1,800 people in this church and multiple services, it still felt like a group, like a family. It's awesome, but that's a testimony to their, their um, intentionality about community. And then the last two things, finally, we, we wanted to, to see the power of God. That was part of our... Our, um, part of our mission statement, experiencing the power of God. I just wanted to show a few pictures of people, and you'll see a few pictures. Why? Because I believe that's the most impactful way that we experienced the power of God was through relationship. God is a relational God, and He blesses us, and He challenges us, and shows us His power through other people. Doesn't He do that? He brings people into our lives just at the right time and the right place, we got to meet some amazing people. There's a picture of all the kids, including Andrew in the middle. So like I said, all the kids that were there, right? And then if you can um, go back, there was that one picture that I wanted to show again. And if you can go back, yeah, there's that one picture we skipped over of the, the prison. But if not, it's fine. You can stay there. But there was um, a picture of us sitting around the circle. And here's why I wanted to show that picture again uh, at the prison. These are girls 14 to 18 years old. Thank you. And they came in escorted by the guards. And we simply just got to share our story about how God transformed and changed our lives. And, of course, we all have different stories to tell. And they're all unique, and God can use them in powerful ways. And something I didn't expect was at the end of our time, about an hour or so, they were all just sitting there listening, and we had an interpreter. And at the end, after the last testimony, we all stood up to pray together. We were done praying in the circle. We opened our eyes, and most of those girls were crying. These are girls that were in there, again, 14, 15, 16 years old, most of them, because of drugs, because they were recruited by drug dealers to run drugs because they're minors. Some of them, Shane told us, could be in there because they murdered someone. You see, in Brazil, there's this law that if you're a minor, the maximum sentence that you can serve for your first offense is three years. Even if you commit murder, three years. So the drug dealers know this, so they will recruit 14-year-old girls to be assassins, to kill people, because then these girls will do three years in this, in this prison and get out, and then they will have street credibility. That's the society there, in this area, and, and, and what that law allows. So some of these girls would have committed murder, but yet all they did was hear our stories and they broke down crying. What an amazing testimony of the power of God. 
because even after all they experienced in life, just imagine the life they already had at 14, they were still 14-year-old girls. And they still had emotions. And they still knew that there was something wrong. And they knew that there was hope. And there was a girl there. God led her sister Elizabeth to lead her to the Lord. And she became a believer right there before they went back to their cells. That's the power of God. We praise God for that. That's the power of God. And then finally, there's one picture here. The power, and that we ended our, our mission statement by saying that we wanted to see change in all of us. And this is a picture at the airport. You know, they came to say goodbye to us. Do you know the senior pastor of this 1,800-person church? If you remember, his name is Tercio, and his wife is Marta, and they came here a couple of years ago. Remember he shared here for about 10 minutes? He said it was his first sermon in English. He did a good job. So we didn't get to really see him all week, but he came with his wife and family to the airport to say goodbye to us. They rushed to just say goodbye right before we went through security and left. And there was about 20 other people there. And they were all saying goodbye. Just like the way we got greeted, they sent us off. There was a lot of tears there too. People crying. And that caught me by surprise too. Because you don't know the kind of impact you get to have. But church, I want to say it's all because of you. Because you sent us. You provided financial support. You provided words of encouragement. You provided prayers. And you sent us there. So we went representing you. We wanted to see transformation through the gospel, expanding our vision for God's world by equipping and encouraging our partner, Shane and Aaron, and all those other people so we could experience and see the power of God so that we would all be changed and we could bring change. And I believe that happened in amazing ways. And I want to leave you, before we end our time around the Lord's table, I want to end you with, leave you with this verse. First Peter 4, 8 through 10. And this was the other little note of encouragement that really stuck with me from the envelope. And it says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I think this is a great way to sum up what we did and what you just heard. Love others deeply. We were loved deeply. See, we went to love, to love deeply. We showed up and we were immediately loved deeply. You know, it's interesting. I don't always do this, but in the Greek language, that word deeply, you know what it means? It it gives this idea of straining. Like if you think of an athlete, like running across the finish line in, in a sprint, what the muscles would look like straining to get them there, that's that word deeply that Peter uses. To love each other deeply, like to the point of straining. You know when you work out and you're straining your muscles and you're like, you just need one more, one more, and you're straining? That's how we are to love each other. Is that amazing? That is how we are called to love each other. That's how we were loved. And that was a big part of our transformation that we came back. So we want to love others like that. How do we do that? Do you ask yourself, is that the way you love other people? Is that the way you use your gifts? It says we've all been given gifts to serve each other. Do we do that to the point of straining? You know what that means? It means sacrifice. It's sacrificial love. That's a picture of the gospel. For those whole 12 days, Shane and Aaron and their family and their adult kids, they gave up their bedrooms and their time with their parents and friends and any kind of semblance of normalcy or any time of just having any time alone with a house full of 20, 30 people, and they sacrificed. And they sacrificed because they wanted to love deeply. That should be a part, that should be our desire, that should be a part of the DNA of our church, because we are the church, that we love each other deeply to that point of sacrifice. But why? Because that love covers over a multitude of sins. It's beautiful, because that means that we don't, we don't just push it off and, and we don't see people's faults and sins and failures. It means we recognize it and we accept it and we can carry each other's burdens and help each other. And we don't judge people for it because love covers over all of that. Offer hospitality without grumbling. They offered so much hospitality. We went to be hospitable and we were greeted by 15 people cheering us on. They didn't even know us yet. And they offered hospitality without grumbling. You know, towards the end of the week, I was grumbling. I like my alone time. 
I'm naturally an introvert. I love being around people, but it takes a lot of energy. You know, you're, some of you are like that, right? And you just need your alone time. I didn't have any alone time for 12 days. You get a house full of 13 and then 20 people and you're sharing your room with Andrew and Rick and Rich and you have no, you can be in your bed. There's no alone time. But boy, this verse, see, that's why you open up the envelope of these encouraging notes and it says, be hospitable without grumbling. Who put that note in there? That's what I want to know. But isn't that beautiful? That's the way it should be. So we brought back a lot. Please, uh, you know, we're going to have the Lord's table. Remember what Christ did for us. And we're going to remember that, you know what, Christ was hospitable. Remember what he did with his disciples that last evening when he was washing their feet? Do you remember that? That he was just washing their feet. I'm sure there was multiple times he did that. But he does it as a picture of humility. They would wash their feet to bend down because Jesus said that he didn't come to be served but to serve. That's our calling as well as disciples is to go and to serve, to be hospitable, to use our gifts to serve one another and to do it out of love and to love deeply. Who loved more deeply than the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that word means deeply, to love deeply to the point of sacrifice and straining. Did not Jesus sacrifice to the point of straining on the cross? And that's what we remember here. And so I want to pray for the bread and for the cup. It'll be passed to you. First the bread, then the cup. And once you have both elements, we'll take them together. Okay? So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we have this this commandment from you for your church to remember to remember what you did with your disciples in the Last Supper, and how you served them and you taught them about a new covenant in your blood. And you told us as often as we got together to do this, to do it in remembrance of you. And so we want to remember now your amazing hospitality for your disciples and your followers and the way that you love them so deeply to the point of sacrifice and straining. God, May we reflect on that in these moments as we hold our elements and remember what they represent. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.